now we're going to each uh, talk about two teams outside of the top 10 that we're pretty excited about for this year. So, Gus, why don't you start us off? If if there's a third you just want to chime about, just because we're uh, recording this after a few games in the season, feel free to provide thoughts if you want on a third team. But, yeah, we're going to pretty much go through two of them, and then if there's a third, uh, we'll provide our thoughts on, on that one too. Yeah, so uh, my first team, they were, I think, number 14 in the original poll. They're number 13 in this poll. And out of the Pac-12, uh, the Oregon Ducks. This is a team that I'm very excited to see. They have a couple of top freshmen coming in. They bring back Peyton Pritchard, who was one of the better uh, point guards last year um, in the Pac-12, a guy who's already led a team to the Final Four. Uh, I think when he was a sophomore, they made the Final Four. Excuse me, uh, when he was a freshman, they made the Final Four. Bring back uh, Paul White, who's a solid player. Um, Victor Bailey Jr.'s back as well, solid role players. Kenny Wooten a guy that can block some shots. Um, but this is about newcomers. Pritchard's going to be an all-league guy, but Bull Bull comes in, son of Manute Bull. Another guy like Zion Williamson we've mentioned. This is a guy that just highlight reels. We've seen him for the last three or four years now. Just a truly unique player. Um, at his height, he's kind of handles the ball. He's basically like he's a 7-2 small forward, uh, if that makes any sense. Uh, on the offensive end, is this the guy who's bringing the ball up? This is the guy who's crossing over. He's facing up from three. He loves to shoot threes. And he can also block shots at his length inside at 7-2. Obviously, that's what his dad did best. But Bobo is the player that's going to take college basketball by storm. He's not the best freshman here, but he's one of the five most exciting to watch. This, his game is truly unique. Um, he's awful smooth for a guy, seven foot two. Add in their other star freshman, um, who's, again, a top 15 uh, incoming freshman in Lewis King out of New Jersey. Uh, he hasn't played yet this season, still recovering from a bit of an injury, but 6'9 forward that can really, uh, really light it up. I think it's all about King and uh, Bull Bull, and you add that with Peyton Pritchard, that's a pretty mean uh, starting three. They bring in uh, Ehab Amin, uh, who comes in after averaging 17 a game immediately at Oregon. Uh, he led the nation in steals when he was at uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi. And Paul White, who we mentioned earlier, the ones at Georgetown, he's another role player they have back. So I think Oregon, Dane Altman's crew, um, they could be the class of the Pac-12 this year, potentially. Um, Bobo will be the uh, the real marker for this team, whether they live up to the hype or not. He's a lot of highlights. Um, it'll be interesting to see when he plays a bigger, stronger guy, if he really gets engaged and is able to handle the the strength and size of some of the other post players in the league. Cause like I said, he's more of a finesse uh, big man, if that makes sense at seven foot two. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see um, if he, uh, if he can stay engaged in the game. That's kind of what I heard is uh, um, it's all about kind of his motor. He can uh, take plays off, which you can't really do in college basketball. So it'd be interesting to see if he um, stays engaged. And then, like you said, I mean, him and uh, Kenny Wooten, or Wooten, I mean, you're not going to find uh, block party. Yeah, a front court that's going to get as many blocks as them. So, Pac-12, you probably it's between them, uh, UCLA and uh, Washington. So they probably got as probably got the best chance um, to win that conference. So we'll just have to see what happens. Um, Washington, I think, is a pretty good team with that two-three zone. But Bull Bull could make those threes. So I don't think he's going to have a problem shooting over two-three yeah, zone. Yeah, like I said, I saw him play a couple times in high school. It, like with Zion, um, there's just nobody like him. 
Um, he really is a small forward. Uh, like, I don't want to – he's not Kevin Durant, and I don't want to say that. But, like, body type, he's even taller than that and is trying to play that position, which is just incredible. Uh, and he's actually pretty smooth. Like, he's he's pretty decent ball handler and can shoot it. Um, mm-hmm. And so far, he's, he's shown that at the college level as well. But uh, highlight factory for sure at Oregon. So, uh, watch out for Lewis King and Bull Bull a lot on uh, ESPN Top 10 this year. So who's your uh, second team? My second team is a, uh, a team and a program uh, close to you and I's hearts, uh, the Syracuse Orange. 2-0 so far. They came in ranked, I think, 16 in the country. Uh, they moved up one spot to number 15. A pretty good offseason for them. There was a chance they lo- were going to lose Tyus Battle, um, particularly. And there's a chance they'd lose Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett to the NBA. Both guys tested the waters. Both guys came back. Uh, Battle for his junior year, Brissett for his sophomore year. They did bring in two top freshmen. One of them, um, at the last minute, pulled out and chose to uh, pursue a professional career in Darius Baisley. Um, but Jalen Carey is the other guy we mentioned, a guard who can really score. Um, he comes in as a uh, as a top 40 freshman in the ESPN Top 100. Uh, Gus, uh, real quick, do you mean internship? Because Darius Baisley, isn't he the highest paid intern in the country? At New Balance, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, I, I, I'm... I'm s- hey, you, you, pay, you su- pay someone one mil to be an intern. That's a pretty good gig, as you know, anyone who's done an internship here before. Honestly, what the hell? Like, how come I didn't hear about this internship? I'd love to get paid a mil <laughs> during uh, in between my uh, junior and senior year um, rather than, like, stacking papers for somebody. But, yeah, I mean, good for him. I don't – a lot of people don't think it was the right decision, but, I mean – He's already made it worthwhile. I mean, again, you can argue that it was the best thing for his development. It's his personal choice. I think Jim Beheim came out and was very vocal that he made the wrong decision, which I don't think was fair at all. Um, It's his kids, the kids choice. He decided to do that and he has to live with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, getting an endorsement deal and an internship with New Balance is a good start. Um, He has a year off here to work on his body and we wish him all the best. Um, And next year he'll be in the NBA draft and we'll, we'll see and follow his progress from there. Yep. Um, the players that are at Syracuse, though, it starts and ends with Tyus Battle. Um, he's going to be, I think he's the top returning scorer in the ACC. He's going to be about 20 points per game this year. Um, O'Shea Brissett's a guy I think he might take a bit of a leap and be about 17, 18 points a game. Syracuse is really going to lean on them, too. Um, they both played about 40 minutes a game last year. As Syracuse was going to the five-man rotation, it seemed, for about the last two months of the season. These guys were running on fumes, but again, they did enough. It wasn't pretty. They beat Michigan State. They got to the Sweet 16. Dolajai is back, who I think played a lot more than expected. The Slovakian uh, freshman last year, he's a sophomore. Wasn't really supposed to play, but just a, a gamer. He seems to be in the right spot. He's got a nose for the ball. Ultimate um, glue guy. Ultimate glue guy. You don't ever draw a play up for him. Pascal Chuku is a guy who blocks shots and doesn't do much else, but in that zone defense, he can be a real deterrent in the middle. And then Buddy Beheim, Jim's son, is uh, is on is on the roster this year. He's a guy that at six five can shoot it. Um, he's got off to a tough start shooting so far. I think he's like one of ten from three. Yeah, I think it's like um, one of twelve. <laughs> but the the X factor for this team, who you and I included, we we knew this kid was there, and we knew he was sitting out last year, but nobody had really seen him. Um, Elijah Hughes, who transferred from East Carolina. Nobody kind of knew what to expect. Was he a guy that was just going to be a role player? Was he going to be a guy who came in and played a lot of minutes? He's starting from uh, day one here at Syracuse. 
Um, had a big game against Moorhead State in their second game of the year. I think he had 21-8. and eight. Um, So it looks like Elijah Hughes, Hughes might be that third uh, cog in the machine to go along with Battle, Battle and Brissett. And then um, you add Frank Howard, too. When he comes, I mean, I know he's injured right now, but if he can come back and, I mean, provide scoring and experience, I, I, I agree. I think this team is, I mean, I'm not trying to be biased, but they barely made the tournament with those five guys last year, and because of that 2-3 zone, got to the Sweet 16. If they play better yeah. on the offensive end, and Elijah Hughes helps them that with that, um, so does Jalen Carey, the freshman coming in, too. And with O'Shea Brissett, like you said, Dolajai taking another leap. Uh, I mean, this team, they they could be a dark horse uh, Final Four final four team for sure. Yeah, I think the last thing on them is we know the defense is going to stand up. It's done that over the years, the 2-3 the zone. We know battle and Brissett can score. Um, Hughes and Carey are going to be big because last year, battle and Brissett both struggled from the field because basically because both had to play the entire game. I mean, yeah. these guys retired. Uh, Brissett shot 35% from the field. Battle wasn't much better. And it, it, may, it mainly came down to the two guys are playing 39 minutes a game. Um, they running on fumes. They had to do it on both ends. I think this year they're going to be able to, to have a little bit more balance offensively. And I think all three are going to shoot a much higher percentage because of the, la- the little bit of a decrease in minutes and a little bit less on those two men's shoulders for Syracuse on the offensive end of the court. All right, so uh, I've got two teams I'm going to get into. Uh, I know it's kind of cheating, but I just want to add a qu- just quick line on uh, another team that I don't think you're as high on as I am, um, and that is uh, Kansas State. Real quick on them. So I think they're one of those teams that there's nothing sexy about them. They don't have any guys that are uh, going to be YouTube sensations or, or primetime scores, but they they have Kamar Stokes, Barry Brown, Xavier Sneed, and Dean Wade, and all four of those guys just play their asses off and get buckets. Uh, Xavier Sneed, who I think he's one of those guys that kind of a matchup nightmare in the tournament, and I think his role is going to expand this year, and if he can uh, if he can take that next, next step, I think they, they have the best chance at competing for uh, the Big 12 title with Kansas. Uh, I think I, I, I think West Virginia is still pretty good, um, but I think with four four guys returning for Kansas State, common theme for me with guys returning, I think they're going to be pretty good. So just adding yeah, Kansas State de- in there. Defense and grit and toughness, they're definitely there. Just can they score enough? And I think down yeah. the stretch last year they did. Um, and Dean Wade being healthy again, I think he's the one guy who can really score for them. So I, yeah. I agree. I think they're the second best team in the Big 12. Yeah. Um, so my first team I wanted to talk about. So I was pretty interested in this team before the season. And then after seeing them play their first couple games, the Auburn Tigers, they they look like the real deal. Um, they... Uh, I guess last year with uh, injuries and suspensions down the stretch only had eight guys that were able to play uh, this year. They pretty much have everyone back uh, with the exception of Mustafa Heron, Mustafa Heron, who, yeah, he transferred over to St. John's. And then uh, they also have Daniel Purifor, right? Is he, is he suspended for, the first, yeah, he like, was nine games. He was one of the two players, him and Wiley, who were involved last year and, and basically sat out. But those guys, they get him back. 
Yeah, Wiley's um, eligible now, and Purifoy, I think, isn't eligible for another eight games or so. But, um, yeah, these guys bring back so much firepower. I mean, you've got Bryce Brown, who's hitting threes. Uh, Amfordy McElmore is a guy who plays inside, uh, kind of a small, I guess, power forward center, but gets the job done. And then you have Austin Wiley, who's going to take a little time to get in there, but he was a top recruit. Um, so he should help them out. And then you have Horace Spencer, who is pretty much a big time uh, defensive center, uh, blocks a lot of shots. Uh, pretty much all you're going to get from him is uh, putbacks and dunks on the offensive end. But that's really all they need from him. And um, one other guy uh, I want to talk about is Chuma Okike. If you watched, uh, they played Washington the other day, and uh, he was playing in the middle of that uh, two-three zone, and he's he's lost quite a bit of weight. And uh, Bruce Pearl has kind of raved about him, saying that he could be a huge difference maker for this team. One other guy I want to talk about who is a transfer had to sit out last year from VCU, Samir Dowdy. He's a big-time shooter, uh, good athlete, six-four uh, guard who. I think is just going to add to the he's explosiveness of, that they of, have. He's out of the Illidel. Oh, yeah, for sure. Math, civics, and sciences represent. Um, <laughs> I guess last but not least, the guy you can't forget is the guy running the show, Jared Harper, who this kid I was impressed with last year. Uh, I think he's going to be better this year. Runs the point really well. Uh, they like to play at a pretty fast pace, um, but it works for them because – they can make threes. They, yeah, I think they, they've got what 20, 24, 25 threes in two games. Um, yeah, they're uh, they've got a lot of firepower. Thirty, and, uh, 30 made threes. Thirty made threes. Wow. So I think um, I know I said I've Tennessee winning the SEC, but don't be surprised if Auburn if Auburn ends up uh, on top of the SEC. They got a lot of firepower. Similar to last year, they don't have a ton of size, but they have enough that they can compete with teams that have bigger players. And then kind of with all the, the firepower they have on the uh, um, from their guards, uh, I mean, it's pretty tough to, to play with them. They, uh, I mean, the game that they played against Washington earlier this week was against their 2-3 zone, which is supposed to prevent teams from making threes. And they were just able to space the floor and get the ball into the right spots and knock down jump shots. So... And then also getting teams to play at their pace, I think, is a huge thing for them. Yeah, uh, they're, they they're, like, they're as athletic as anybody, and they and like you said, the three point shooting. Yeah, so th- they're one of the teams. Um, you also did they, mention Anthony McLemore. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, he turned down MIT to go to Auburn. Um, so pretty, uh, pretty interesting college choice for him. But uh, MIT or Auburn was the two choices. But Bruce Pearl ended up getting him uh, down down in Auburn. Well, I think it's the math mathematics uh, program at Auburn, I think, is one of the top in the country. Um, so, I mean, I know you're a MIT fan being from Massachusetts, but they can't really hang with Auburn. So, yeah, so excited about Auburn. Um, we'll see how, uh, how things go in the SEC for them. Um, oh, one final thing on Auburn. They're in the Maui Invitational. Good chance they're going to be playing Duke in the second round of that tournament. Uh, I think that's going to be on... Tuesday, November 19th or 20th, I want to say. But, um, yeah, tune in for that game because that's going to be highly entertaining. Um, So moving on to the second team uh, that I'm excited about outside the top 10, and that is a team out of the ACC, the Florida State Seminoles, another team that 
brings back a lot of experience. A lot of talented players have played great so far this year without their uh, leading scorer from last year and rebounder, Phil Kofer, who's got a foot injury and is out indefinitely. But when they get him back, they're going to probably excel even more than they currently have and, and, and will for the first part of the season. Uh, this team uh, lost in the Elite Eight last year. They've got lots of good players coming back, probably led by Terrence Mann is the probably the best player returning uh, besides Phil Kofer. They've got some, they have a 7-4 monster, uh, Christ uh, Kumaji in the center, who I read an article about today. I've seen, that, him, I've seen him play in person in high school, and he is every bit of 7-4. Yeah. <laughs> they were, uh, I was reading an article that said that um, he's one of the best hedgers off of screens, which to me was like, really? So he blocked shots. He's he, another Montverde uh, product. He was there with Barrett. Um, and Rayshon Black from North Carolina, Andrew Nemhard, um, who's at uh, Florida. But, uh, yeah, he is a, a mountain of a man. Yeah, they get him back. Uh, he's a beast on the inside. And then hopefully soon to be a friend of the podcast, uh, John Rothstein, likes to compare uh, Nifandu Kemen Jele, Gele, um, to Draymond Green, formerly of the Michigan State Spartans. So uh, I think when you get compared to Draymond, you've got to be a pretty good player. And um, makes sense. The guy's a really good good rebound, has a, has a great motor, um, perfect for this team, which has a lot of size. But then they also have some decent shooters. And that's, I think, really what's going to make or break this team is if they can shoot the ball. Um, that's going to largely fall to PJ Savoy and MJ Walker, Trent Forrest too, but he's not as, uh, kind of as well known a shooter as PJ and, uh, and MJ Walker are. So, uh, really think it's going to come down to, uh, to those guys. And if they can make threes, obviously with, uh, Terrence Mann, I mean, this team is great defensively. They whooped Florida. Absolutely whooped Florida. Um, don't really know why Mike White took that to be took that as their first game of the year to play at Florida State, especially with the team that they were bringing back. But yeah, they they look the part with the way that they play defense. If they can uh, if they can make shots, they're going to be a really tough team. I I, I actually think uh, when Duke plays Florida State, that'll actually be a great great game to watch with all the size and athleticism um that uh that's going to be on hand for that yeah watch out for the seminoles i think uh i think they're going to be a a team to watch in the acc so i guess the theme too is the acc is pretty loaded (laughs) they usually are but yeah this year they've got a lot of talent so um those are my thoughts on florida state yeah i think um we're the last bit here. We're we're getting through some more teams. We know this is going to be a bit longer than normal with uh with a preview kind of edition. But two more teams. These ones we're picking teams each outside the top twenty five. But we're we're staying away from teams billed as mid majors. We're gonna to get to that um in our next episodes. So for those hoping for us to see Loyola Chicago or or somebody else or Buffalo somebody like that, not gonna um, happen. You're gonna to have to wait till next week. So these are, we're going with major conference schools outside the top 25 um, from the original poll that we think should have been preseason top 25 teams and that should have been, that are going to be teams to really to really contend with this year. 
We mentioned Mustafa Heron a little bit earlier, um, the Auburn transfer, uh, moved close to home. He's actually from Connecticut, um, right down the street. Saw him play in high school originally. He was at Pitt um, commit. Mustafa Heron goes to St. John's, and I think that immediately makes the Johnnies a uh, team to contend with. Shamori Pons came back after flirting with the NBA. He's the Big East leading returning scorer. He basically carried that team on his back last year. Uh, they get, lost a lot of tough games early in the year. St. John's, tough year for Chris Mullen with injuries as well. But they kind of turned it on at the end. They finished, I think, 6-5 and five down the stretch. Um, they almost got their record back to 500. And they had that one week where they beat Duke and Villanova back-to-back. And you kind of saw what kind of player Shamori Pons was all year um, on the big stage. Pons is back. You add Mustafa Heron. That right there is two of the best. I think that's one of the best five backcourts in the country. Uh, Marvin Clark up front is a transfer from Michigan State, second year in the program. He's a guy that will uh, give them some some sort of uh, muscle down down low at six seven. I think he was twelve and five last year for the Johnnies, who are, again are a very undersized team. That's the one worry with this team. They don't really have anybody over six nine. Justin Simon from Arizona is one of the best Swiss Army knives in college basketball. Former transfer. He's also in his second year with St. John's. Twelve points, five assists. Seven rebounds last year for a guy six foot five. So that tells you the kind of the kind of player he is. He gets his nose in it, um, and he fills up a lot of different stat categories for Chris Mullen. And then this year they add a couple pieces that I think will help them. Mikey Dixon, sixteen points per game as a freshman at uh, nearby Quinnipiac. So St. John's, a lot of a lot of Connecticut connections. He was the freshman of the year in the Metro Atlantic. He joins them this year, gives them another offensive threat off the bench. Um, and they also get L.J. Figueroa, a junior college All-American. Figueroa is a guy who shot over 48% from three, six foot six. Uh, he's from Odessa. He averaged 28.5. He was at Odessa College. Um, shout out to the Permian Panthers, uh, Friday Night Lights, Laura and Odessa. But L.J. Figueroa has come in and been an immediate uh, player for them in the first couple of games. Uh, I think he had a, a nine and eight in their first game. Um, and then followed that up with 11 um, on four of eight shooting. So LJ Figueroa from Lawrence, Mass, um, is a junior college All-American to watch for them. Rebounding is going to be an issue. They're going to need their guards to rebound. But offensively, I'll take Pons and Heron versus pretty much anybody in terms of backcourts uh, in college basketball. Yeah, I think with them, just one quick point on uh, St. John's is uh, how Heron and uh, Shimori Pons, how they uh, – how they play together because they're both very ball dominant. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can kind of adjust where when Heron's kind of has the ball in his hands and is going off that Shimori Pons doesn't kind of uh, disappear within the game and vice versa. So it's probably going to start out that way, but be interesting to see if they can kind of get used to each other and uh, still be effective um, in the game when one's kind of, kind of dominating the ball while the other one's uh, still making plays, getting rebounds, um, making uh, jump shots, that sort of thing. Shout out to Mustafa uh, Heron's uh, dad, too. Three sons playing Division One basketball. Pretty impressive. Uh, one of his brothers is a uh, play, is going to be playing at Niagara this year as a freshman. Uh, another one was at UMass Amherst and now is at Long Island University. So the, the, Heron, the Heron family um, with three different players in New York State this year to watch out for in uh, Division One basketball. My other team, quickly, Indiana. I'm going with this team for two reasons. They bring back Juwan Morgan, who, for me, might have the best uh, motor for a big guy in college basketball. He was a one-man team last year for, for Indiana. You felt bad for him. He pretty much 
he was out there doing everything he could for a team that wasn't very good. They were 16 and 15, another team I'm expecting to make a big jump. Morgan's back. He has a potential uh, to be an All-American. Romeo Langford comes in, one of the most hyped in-state recruits that Indiana's had in a long time. They sold out his announcement. Uh, I remember seeing pictures at 3 o'clock on a, on a midweek to see this guy choose what hat he was going to put on. Um, they couldn't fit him on his high school gym. So that gives you kind of the hype that comes around this guy. Serious wing um, that can create his own shot and score. They bring in Evan Fritch. Fitchner from uh, St. Mary's, a big guy who can stretch the floor. Uh, Deron Davis up front was good before he got injured last year. 6'10", he's a guy that can really finish inside, a bit of a, and he's a load. And then Justin Smith and Devontae Green for some uh, production for them on the, uh, from their juniors. I think Morgan and, and uh, Romeo Langford are the two headliners here. Indiana's going to be uh, better than they were last year. Um, and it's just a question of, in a down Big Ten, are they the surprise team this year? I think they can be. Archie Miller's a heck of a coach. You give him a couple years at a school, and he usually turns it around. I think Indiana are going to take a step forward this year um, and be a, a bit of a surprise in the Big Ten that I think is pretty much wide open after Michigan State. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's kind of obvious, but Indiana's going to kind of run uh, pretty well, I guess, with uh, – it really depends on Juwan Morgan and uh, – Romeo Langford, like you said, those are kind of the, the two cogs um, within that Indiana machine. So we'll see what happens. A good way to segue into my first team outside the top 25 is um, Indiana is actually playing them in the Gavit Games on Wednesday, November 14th. And that's the Marquette Golden Eagles out of the Big East. So Marquette, I see as probably the team with the best shot at dethroning Villanova for the Big East. They bring back Marcus Toward, who, uh, I mean, uh, probably, I'm not sure if it was he preseason Big East player of the year. If he's not, he's right up there. Yeah, um, one of the best scorers in the country for sure. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's going to get buckets. Um, and then when you add in uh, Sam Hauser, has good size, um, but also has the uh, – uh, silky stroke from beyond the arc at around six six eight six nine and then you add in uh sam's younger brother joey who's coming in as a top 50 recruit marquette's always gonna uh be able to score but i think uh what's really gonna you know they're gonna be slapping the floor too with Woj as head coach uh i mean you gotta do the duke floor slap on d for sure oh yeah yeah no doubt but um yeah their problem their problem over the last few years has um has been their defense and I actually see them improving on that quite a bit this year. Uh, the first couple of games, if you got a chance to watch any of those, and obviously check them out in the Gavit games, but uh, their defense looks much improved. And I think that's, uh, I think it's kind of a, a team, a team thing. It's not one individual. So they have a few guys. I'll just touch on uh, Sakar Adam, who actually a pretty good scorer, but he's their best on-ball defender. And then you've got some guys that just have length. Um, Jamal Kane, Greg Elliott, I think both those guys, especially on the defensive end, are going to help them out with kind of their size from the, the guard or, or kind of small forward position. And then another guy they're going to really need to kind of take a jump in his sophomore year is uh, Theo John, who, another great name, Theo John. But yeah, they lost Rousey last year, who was a big-time scoring threat, but I think losing him is actually not so bad because you don't have to play with two guards that are six foot or under six foot, pretty close to it. So now you're going to have, 
now you're going to have uh, Marcus Howard with probably Sakara Adam would be my guess, who's got more size, and you're probably going to have a more traditional uh, starting five uh, with more traditional size. So I think this team can definitely give uh, Villanova a run for their money. If their defense improves, I mean, they've, they've got the scoring. So uh, it's really going to come down to if they can play uh, both sides of the ball. And, uh, yeah, if their defense improves, I, I like their chances at uh, possibly winning the Big East and, uh, and maybe making a run of March. That's Marquette. Uh, you have any thoughts on them, Gus? Or no, I think you, I think on? you touched it. Uh, it's it's the two guard, the two guys you mentioned, Howard and uh, and Hauser are going to have to do a lot of the scoring. Um, How Howard might be a top ten guy this year in terms of points per game. I could see him averaging close to twenty four, twenty five. Guy is no conscience. He averaged twenty last year. Uh, but still shot 40% from three and 46%. Also one of the best free throw shooters in the country. Brother is also uh, quite the quite the scorer as well. Uh, those guys for uh, a family um, are two of the better scorers in college basketball. Jordan Howard, uh, who maybe if you're not as familiar with Marcus Howard, who played at Marquette. Uh, Jordan Howard had a pretty big year last year, um, Central Arkansas. Um, and he had a, uh, he had a big... He had a big game. I think he might have gone over 50 once last year as well. I think uh, I think you hit it on those two guards, and um, Marquette defense will be key to see if they are uh, going to take the next step. All right, and then uh, my second team outside the top 25 I wanted to talk about, uh, probably a team that goes under the radar just because they're in the American Conference, but uh, the UCF Golden Knights, or I guess they're the UCF Knights. They've been unfortunate the last uh, couple years. Um, they've just they've been riddled with injuries, specifically Aubrey Dawkins. So uh, the head coach, Johnny Dawkins, was at Stanford, went to UCF. Uh, his son, Aubrey, transferred to UCF to play for his dad, got injured, was out two seasons ago, ready to come back, uh, tore his ACL, I'm pretty sure, last year, and had to sit out all of last year. So he is finally back. Also preseason uh, player of the year, B.J. Johnson. Or B.J. Taylor, sorry. Not B.J. Johnson. B.J. Taylor. B.J. Um, Johnson, former uh, Syracuse basketball great. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. And, uh, yeah, former Syracuse and LaSalle, great. But, uh, yeah, B.J. Taylor is what I meant. Former resident of the Jim Beheim uh, doghouse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's why he transferred. Couldn't get on the floor. But, um, yeah, back to B.J. Taylor. So, uh, B.J. Taylor got injured beginning of the first game of the year last year, actually, uh, foot injury, came back for, I think, the second half of the conference schedule, never really looked right. Uh, he's finally back healthy. He, he's a uh, he's a tough guard, really good shooter, uh, but also can get to the basket. So, yeah, he's going to be a big-time player for them. And then you can't, yeah, you, you really can't talk about UCF without talking about seven foot six. Taco Fall, who is somehow taller than Christ Kumaji on Florida State. And I've seen this guy play in person, and he doesn't really need to jump off the ground. He's He keeps uh, getting better, though, to his, yeah. to his credit. Like, he was very raw at first. He keeps, oh, he was not good. He, was, he keeps not, getting yeah. better, and he's getting stronger, and he's getting more aggressive. And last year, he obviously dealt with a lot of injuries. But yeah, and he got, the yeah. year before, he was a very effective player for them um, before he was injured. Yeah, and that's another. Yeah, that's another injury they had was uh, he had to uh, he had to get shut down in the middle of the season last year due to injuries. So he's back. But as Gus said, every year his his uh, um, 
his offensive skills have gotten better, but also um, his defensive positioning. I mean, you're 7'6", you don't really you just need to be in front of the basket, but actually coming up on screens and, and, and playing that way, he's gotten a lot better at that. And having someone like that on a team that's already got players that are committed to playing on both sides of the ball, they're one of the toughest teams to play against just because of their defense. A couple... Uh, he's, his career shooting percentage is like 73%, which is wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's going to be huge for them down low. But then they also have a transfer out of George Washington, Colin Smith, who, a uh, big-time player for GW, is going to add to their uh, front court. And then they still have senior Chad Brown, who uh, I, I watched a fair amount of UCF games last year, and he, he was kind of uh, he was a dog down low. Basically, did all the dirty work, got rebounds committed hard fouls on like team's best players really did that. And I think he might be able to add a little bit uh, on the offense and more, more so offensive rebounds and putbacks this year. And then uh, just a couple other guys to mention. Uh, they had a freshman last year who really surprised uh, Cesar De Jesus, who uh, pretty good shooter. And I think he's going to be pretty key for them just because we don't really know what we're going to get with Aubrey Dawkins, I mean, he, he came in with uh, glowing reviews, but they're going to need some uh, some guys on the outside to shoot, and that's probably going to be DeJesus as well as uh, Terrell Allen's another guy to keep an eye out for. Uh, he could shoot it quite a bit. And then uh, another guy they had who kind of fell under the radar a little bit, didn't have a great year last year, but was a pretty good rep- recruit coming out of high school, is uh, Miles Douglas. He's kind of a 6'7 wing that... Um, if he, if he can kind of uh, find his uh, shooting stroke, he could be uh, a key piece for them. And and as far as UCF goes in the American, uh, I think it's it's probably between them and Houston for the top two teams and who's going to win it. A lot, of, a lot of people like Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati lost their three, three of their top four scorers, and they're a primarily defensive team. So uh, if you watched Cincinnati versus Ohio State, Cincinnati couldn't score the ball. John Cumberland. Uh, it's their is their top scorer, and he had 22 points. But Kane Broom, other players, they could they didn't st- they couldn't make any shots. So to me, I think Cincinnati just doesn't have enough uh, offensive firepower to keep up with uh, teams like Houston, uh, UCF, and uh, maybe even those Temple Owls. We'll see we'll see what happens with UCF. But uh, the Americans down a little bit this year, but UCF finally is healthy, and uh, I think they have as good a chance as anybody to win the American and. Maybe surprise some people in the uh, NCAA tournament, uh, similar to Houston, who almost uh, almost made it to the Sweet 16 if it wasn't for a uh, Jordan Poole buzzer beater um, in last year's tournament. Like you said, this is going to be a little bit longer version, so we, we thank you for bearing with us while we went through all the teams. But now we're going to go on to some, uh, some players and some rankings and some accolades. We're going to start with the uh, All-American teams. Uh, James, you feel free to go first. Uh, just rip off your five All-American games. Maybe if there's one guy you really want to point out, uh, go ahead and do that. Yep. Um, so my first team All-American team, I've got three guards. R.J. Barrett out of uh, Duke, Carson Edwards with Purdue. Kind of a surprise, but and I'm, I guess, being a homer again, but uh, Ty's battle with Syracuse. I mean, I think there's I, a legitimate chance yeah. that he, he's going to average about 20. I mean, he's going to be there. Yeah, last year it was about 20, and it could even go up. So he's kind of my surprise. Rui Hachimura at the forward spot. Um, I think he's he's got as good a chance as any to be a lottery pick, and I think he's got 
I don't know if he's got the high ceiling because of R.J. Barrett and, and then Zion Williamson too, but uh, he, to me, he's just, he's a, uh, I mean, he's just a physical specimen. I mean, this guy is, I think he's 6'8", six, 6'9", six, but he just, he looks bigger and wider than any other, every other player on the court. And then he's got, he's more athletic than other players on the court. Uh, to me, he, he would be my, I don't even know if it's a dark horse, but I'd love to see him really step it up this year and, and, and maybe get player of the year kind of segues into that. But um, final spot in the All-American team is uh, Diedrich Lawson, transfer out from Memphis on Kansas. I think he's going to um, be a huge part of what Kansas does. I think he's going to be pretty unique in the Big 12 with being able to, to make plays down on the block, but then also uh, shoot it from the outside. Yeah, uh I I had a couple of the same guys here, uh, just ripping them off. R.J. Barrett, I think, is the National Player of the Year. I think he comes in as a freshman. Everyone talks about Zion. R.J. Barrett, for lack of a better word, is he's just a dog. He's an alpha. He is relentless. He is maybe the best slasher um, in college basketball. He gets a shot. He can play make. He rebounds. He's aggressive. He's athletic. Um, and this is a guy who's done it on the international stage that we've talked about. Pretty much Canada's great hope at basketball. We, we've had others, Anthony Bennett, Andrew Wiggins, but R.J. Barrett, since he's been about 15, has been looked at as the guy for Canada basketball. Steve Nash is his godfather. Um, so this is a guy that has had the pressure on him for a long time, so I don't expect him to be worried about the college pressure. Um, so R.J. Barrett from Duke is my point guard. At the two guard, I think, is a little bit of a surprise, a guy that might be off the board for some. Um, we just talked about him, Shamori Pons from St. John's. I think last year he did a lot of this um, out of the limelight because St. John's wasn't an elite team. I think St. John's is going to be much better this year. I think the Big East isn't quite as good, and I think Shamori Pons is going to be a 20 to 22 points a game guy. can really get his shot um, in a variety of ways. And with Mustafa Heron now, they can't key on him as they did last year. I think uh, Shamori Pons is a uh, kind of a sleeper pick to be first-team All-American. Um, in the front court, I got Caleb Martin playing on the wing from Nevada. Uh, I talked about them earlier at length. That's a team I think can make a Final Four. Caleb Martin's their best player. Uh, 19 points per game. Fills it up in terms of rebounds and assists. And also a four, plus 40% uh, three-point shooter. So Caleb Martin at the wing. Rui Hachimura, your guy. Um, we're both high on him. I think he's the biggest breakout player. I think he takes the biggest step of anybody in college basketball this year. Um, I think he becomes their number one option at Gonzaga. The Japanese-born uh, Rui Hachimura, I think, is a, an All-American for me. And I also have Diedrich Lawson as well. I think Kansas is going to be there. Um, they're the best team in the Big 12, as we've talked about. I think if that's the case, Lawson's their best player. And I think Kansas goes back-to-back in terms of Big 12 Player of the Year. Diedrich Lawson did it in the American. Um, he's already showing he can rebound at the Big 12 level. He puts up about 20-12 and 12 this year in uh, – and they come through as a uh, as a top ten team, and Lawson as the uh, Big Twelve Player of the Year and an All American. Yep. All right. So I guess kind of segueing from there is who our National Player of the Year is. Uh, I think all the guys that I mentioned and who you mentioned have a chance. A guy, I just want to highlight. I, I probably think that R.J. Barrett has the best chance, but uh, I think, as Gus said, Rui Hachimura, I think, is going to take the biggest step this year, and. I think another reason why he might be more of a he might have a, a better chance than than other candidates at getting national player of the year is uh, Killian Tilly 
uh, for Gonzaga is out for eight weeks, and they're going to really be relying on Hachimura, and I, I think that's going to give him a chance to establish establish him as kind of a dominant force for Gonzaga and their go-to player. So even when Killian Tilly comes back, it still might be the Rui Hachimura show, and it also comes down to can can you lead your team to the Final Four and 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 win a championship? And if Rui Hachimura and Gonzaga get to the finals, win a win a national championship, I I don't see how you don't give up national play of the year. So that's just kind of my two cents on uh, on Rui. Yeah, I, I I hinted at it before, but I'm taking R.J. Barrett. Uh, I think part of the reason you mentioned that somebody else could win it is. Duke's going to have two guys right there. It looks like Zion and RJ could split votes, but uh, I'm going to say RJ Barrett. Um, he was the high school player of the year. I think he takes the step up. Um, this guy put 39, 38 on the U.S. a couple years ago at U19 level um, when he was still in high school. So I'll take RJ Barrett. Duke's going to be right there to win it all. And I think when this award's voted on right before the tournament, I think RJ Barrett um, will go in with the as the favorite. I guess before we move on to uh, reviewing uh, the bets from last week and, and providing kind of season-long bet advice, we're going to just pick three three freshmen that were pretty high on this year um, and just kind of, I guess, say a few things about them. I guess I'll start. So first guy I'm going to talk about is Quentin Grimes out of Kansas. And uh, for me, I kind of seen him a little bit in high school and uh he was mainly great athlete uh big time score kind of get to where he wants on the floor really really good driver that sort of thing but um uh it it looks like he's really worked on his shot and i think that's going to be huge for for kansas so i'm i'm pretty excited to see him obviously um dotson as well who's good good shooter but um i think if quentin grimes can uh can maintain his uh his shooting stroke uh it's going to be huge for kansas Second freshman I wanted to talk about, uh, we kind of already touched on, is Bull Bull. Like you said, physical specimen. Um, if he can play hard f- for the whole game and, and keep that motor going, he, he is kind of unguardable. I mean, you're not going to have a five who's going to come out and be able to guard him from the three-point line, especially when he can shoot over a center, which you don't really hear hear of. So, yeah, Bull Bull, I think, is... Uh, really intriguing prospect to keep an eye on with Oregon. And then uh, my third freshman who we haven't really haven't talked about yet, but uh, I'm a big time fan. He's out of uh, Jersey, but he's a, uh, he's an LSU uh, tiger down to Bayou. Naz Reed. This guy, if you haven't seen him is uh, looks like a football linebacker. I mean, he is a, he is, he defines the word beast in my opinion. Uh, I think he's going to definitely be a double, double machine. Uh, in the first couple games that uh, LSU's played, I, I, he's gotten a double-double. He's been uh, as good as advertised, and uh, I'm pretty excited to see him and Tremont Waiters for uh, LSU. Will Wade, interesting coach, so we'll see how he does with uh, kind of the talent at uh, LSU. Is uh, He's kind of on the hot seat even in his second year if uh, if they don't do uh, do much with his talent, similar to when they had Ben Simmons. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, keep an eye on Naz Reed. Yeah, I think uh, those are all guys that you can look to, and and as we've got to the point in college basketball now, where freshmen dominate, the, the, there's more and more freshmen each year that are worthy of uh, being mentioned. I'm going to stick with the two guys I've talked about. Uh, I focused a lot on Barrett, so I'll spare you guys uh, that one again. 
Yeah, please. But, but Zion Williamson is the other guy at Duke that I think is out of this world, as is Cam Reddish. But I've never seen anybody like him. He just jumps out of the gym. He's able to make shot. If he's able to make shots at even like a mediocre clip, he's unguardable. His second jump is incredible. He's rebounding. He's making plays. He's shown he's already a better ball handler than some of us thought. And so far, he's been extremely efficient. It just It's hard to run the floor with him. It's who's going to guard him. And when he's trying to get to a spot, he literally puts his head down, and he's able to jump so clearly over you. It's not always pretty, but he's just able to get his shot every time. Um, and I think he's the second head of that three-headed monster for Duke um, with Reddish and Barrett. Nas Little is another guy we talked about earlier, Nasir Little with, uh, with North Carolina. I think he's a key player in terms of a team needing uh, someone to step up. North Carolina needs someone to be that secondary scorer, and I think Little is an absolute bull uh, of a basketball player. I think he's the guy that is willing to do that. He's going to mix it up. He's going to be aggressive. I mean, I think he's going to slide in nicely at small forward for North Carolina alongside Luke May, Cameron Johnson, and Kenny Williams on the perimeter. Um, and I think as long as their point guard plays, North Carolina can be a, uh, a top 10-ish team. Yeah, those guys are all going to be really fun to watch this year. So uh, before we get to these bets, we have our final four picks and then our national champion. Um, I mean, this is pretty tough to do. You don't even have a bracket, but these, I guess, are going to be four teams where uh, looking forward to watching and could see them get into the final four. So um, I'll start my final four is Kansas, Gonzaga, Duke, and then surprises uh, Syracuse. I'm not trying to be a homer. I promise. I really think this team is going to be good this year, especially when Syracuse makes the tournament. Uh, teams have a really tough time with their two, three zone. And if they have the offensive firepower that it looks like they're going to have this year, I think, I think they have a really good chance of, uh, of uh, making it to the final four. And then um, national champion for me is Duke. I wanted to pick somebody else, but after watching that first game and watching those freshmen, freshmen until somebody knocks, knocks, them, uh, knocks them down, I, I, I don't really see anybody else uh, beating them. So, Yeah, I, I have a kind of couple of similar picks here. I have Duke as my national champion, I think. Coming into the season, I thought they should have been the number one team, having seen those those three freshmen play, uh, two of them two of them in person in high school. I have Kansas as well. I think that's going to be a questionable one, depending on how uh, good their perimeter play is. Gonzaga, who I think is the most experienced team back, their backcourt with Perkins and Norvell is awful tough. Tilly, Hachimura, and Clark up front, pretty formidable. And then my fourth is Nevada. I think Nevada is going to be good this year. Um, they're ha- ranked really high. They have higher expectations than expected. But don't be surprised if they uh, live up to the hype, as they had a lot of veteran players, a lot of transfers. If they can shoot the three well enough, I'll take the two Martins and Jordan Caroline and ride it as far as it goes. Yeah, Nevada's definitely got a good chance at a, at a Final Four this year. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they handle it with uh, without Lindsey Drew. So moving on from kind of our preview, we're going to move towards uh, the betting portion of the podcast. Thanks again for listening in uh i know this is taking quite a bit of time uh but with this being the preview first episode it's going to go longer than the other episodes so just bear with us so with this segment of the podcast we're going to give you um some kind of season long odds on teams that we think are pretty good value bets 
Gus is Gus and I are each going to pick three and kind of do it on a, a tier basis where the first one's maybe going to be uh, 10 to one odds. Second one might be 30 to one and then a real long shot uh, being the third. So for me, I'm going to start my uh, kind of my first tier team that I think is a pretty good value bet is uh, Gonzaga, which on Bovada was uh, 12 to one. As we talked about, they bring back a ton of experience. I think it's great value to get them at 12 to one. I, I mean, to me, if, if, they're definitely worth worth that bet. Uh, uh, just in comparison, Virginia's at twelve to one too. I like Gonzaga's chances a lot more than Virginia, so that's just kind of a team to compare it to. Kind of in my second tier, a uh, team I've mentioned that I'm really high on is uh, Tennessee. Is thirty to one odds. Kind of a similar theme to Gonzaga. Bring everyone back. Big question mark for them is if they can score. If they can, I think they've got as good a chance as anybody to get to the Final Four. Uh, and then kind of my long shot, which uh, I'm surprised their odds are this high, but Florida State is 90 to 1 odds. And similar theme, they bring everyone back. They're great defensively. If, if they can get, um, they can make their shots. I mean, last year they did and they made it to the Elite Eight. So bringing everyone back, more experience, and guys maybe taking a step further in their development. Uh, I don't see why they can't make the Final Four and win the championship. So those are kind of my three uh, season-long value bets. For me, at 12-1, to 1, my first pick's Nevada, a team I've told you I'm high on, bringing a lot of experience back, the Martin Twins and Jordan Caroline headlining that. Uh, this team, the bracket nearly opened up for them to do it last year. Um, so this is one where you're going to need some help. You're going to need some good matchups. But Nevada has a chance to be a very high seed this year with the schedule they play. They shouldn't lose too many games. So you assume, let's say Nevada gets a two seed. Theoretically, they have a reasonable chance of getting to a Final Four. So that's my first bet in the first tier. Um, my second one would be Syracuse at 45-1, to 1, which I think is extremely high when I look at yeah. some of the teams ahead of them. Um, Indiana, who we mentioned, who has a lot of question marks, um, is ranked ahead, of, is 45 as well. Auburn, who's ranked... Number 11 is 50 to 1. So I think Syracuse at 45 to 1, considering their two best players are back. And they've added a transfer in Elijah Hughes and a couple freshmen that are going to fill out the rotation Jalen Carey, Buddy Beheim. I think Syracuse can uh, be a bit of a surprise at 45 to 1. If, again, you're looking to put a few bucks on someone and hope to hit big, I think Syracuse is one to look at. Finally, a real long shot. Another team I've mentioned previously. I think St. John's at 125 to 1 seems a little high. You have two all league players in Shamori Pons and Mustafa Heron. Justin Simon, Marvin Clark are solid uh, role players. You give me Pons and Heron, and I think that's worth at least throwing five bucks on there at 125 to 1, especially when you consider some of the other teams that are ranked higher than them that lose pretty much. Cincinnati is high, ranked higher. UCLA, who has a lot of question marks. Indiana. Clemson. So I think St. John's 125 is a decent bet. I think this, these odds might also have been out before Heron was ruled eligible and they haven't changed yet. So that might be a kind of a chance to take advantage of uh, yeah, the, jump late, on it. the late kind of Heron's, Heron's playing and we kind of forgot to fix that one. But 125 seems a little high. We just wanted to uh, kind of discuss the five games that we picked uh, against the spread on opening night last Tuesday, which we tweeted out on our Twitter account. So uh, for any picks that uh, 
you want to check out. We're going to be posting picks uh, in in between podcasts throughout the week. It's LCTD Pod. So once again, it's LCTD Pod. This week we're going to just because there's not as many games each each night. We're not going to post five games every night. We'll probably pick a game or two here and there, and then games that days that have more games will. We'll uh, we'll post a few more, but um, definitely look out for it, especially next week uh, during Feast Week, where there's just fear college basketball fan. Sit down on your couch, grab a ton of turkey, and enjoy because Maui Invitational, uh, Battle for Atlantis, just to name a few tournaments, and we'll get into that in our next episode. But um, I guess just to start us off, we had. Uh, Kansas at minus five against Michigan State, and if it wasn't for uh, we got Kansas, hosed. we yeah, got hosed. If it wasn't for We're Kansas 16. not making their free throws, we would have won. And uh, yeah, it ended up being a push. So uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. it's kind of bullshit. Kansas mm-hmm. missed six of their last eight free throws. That was a tough one. Uh, we did get the push, but that one should have been a uh, should have been win. a win for us. Easy um, win, especially for Kansas up sixteen. The next game was Duke, uh, Kentucky money line. Duke was actually, I think, a point and a half underdog in this game. We told yep. you to take the Blue Devils straight up. Um, we were right on this one big time as Duke absolutely destroyed Kentucky from pretty much the jump. That made us one and one. How about the next one, Gus? What? How did we do on uh, on that? Uh, what was it? Florida at uh, Florida, Florida State. State. This is one we, in <laughs> fairness, uh, James was. Kind of, we were kind of on the fence, and James was more to go with Florida State here, so I'll take the blame for this one. Uh, Florida <laughs> did not show up. I thought Phil Kofer being out for Florida State was going to be the swing factor for me. That's a rivalry game. It's always pretty close. And the fact that Kofer wasn't playing, I said, all right, Florida will, with their backcourt, will make enough shots, even though Florida State's D is really good. Uh, Florida State impressed me. I was wrong. Um, it's tough to get a read on a lot of these teams preseason, and we, uh, we took a big L there. That made us one but, one and one. But Gus, to give you credit, um, I agreed to switch over to Florida because you made the argument about their outside shooting with Hudson and and then I guess their freshman Nembrand. Yeah, another Montverde product. Yeah, yeah, and then Kayvon Allen too. So um, yeah, I was on board with it when you, when we when we uh, when we kind of talked it over. But yeah, initially when I was going through it, I thought Florida State, but. That's what's that's what's kind of nice about it. we can kind of uh, agree to disagree. We'll kind of see if I start, I mean, really going on a hot streak and Gus just keeps convincing us to go in a different direction. We might have to do separate picks, but for now we're gonna stick with what we got. So after that, we had one that we were both pretty on point with, which was uh, Washington minus eight and a half against Western Kentucky at home. Washington was down by nine points at halftime. Can, for, Western, for those for those not as fluent in college of basketball don't follow maybe some of these smaller teams western kentucky is supposed to be pretty good this year so this isn't a game that on paper you're like all right easy pick western kentucky is supposed to be pretty good five uh, five Ta- star recruit yeah tavion hollingsworth back who was a big recruit last year and then they bring in a top 10 recruiter recra- reclassified in charles bassey so there is a lot of hype around uh western mm-hmm. kentucky so that isn't as as obvious a pick as it seems, especially with eight and a half points, a lot of points in a college basketball game. Yeah. But uh, Washington, like you were saying, uh, recovered from an early deficit um, and, and got us the win. And then in our final game, this is another one where we were looking good the entire night. And yep. late, uh, this is a couple one where BYU just didn't hit a shot the last four minutes. 
And what, what was the final here? We lost by, I think, one shot. Um, it was minus 13. I think they were... Standal Pelusin, I think, by 16 or 17. So, it was um, one possession again where they just got cold down the stretch. Uh, Yoli Childs fouled out for BYU, which is tough. And then Jazz Johnson, our guy, hit a couple threes, and that was it. Nevada pulled away. That game, I think, was a four-point game with four minutes left. So It was it was one of those games which I think if, uh, if any of you guys – I'm sure you guys uh, make some bets like Gus and I do, uh, where it comes down to – uh, fouling the opponent, hoping he misses a shot, and then the team that you have covering making like an easy layup at the end. It could have gone either way, but instead what happened was I think BYU got blocked and then fouled Nevada. They made two free throws. BYU player tries to shoot a three, gets blocked, so that was it. But uh, yeah, those are always the fun ones where it's like a point or two and it has it's coming down to free throws for each team where literally a wide open three pointer at the end could make or break um, if you went your bet. So we were on the wrong side of this one. But um, yeah, two, two and one overall, not terrible, not great. Like we said, we we should have had we should have had that Kansas one. Um, they really kind of choked it away late, missed six of the last eight free throws. Uh, our boy Udoka Azabuki, we were we were leaning on him to just make one of those ones at the end, and he and he couldn't. But we'll uh, we'll live to play another day. We'll uh, we'll be better this week, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and, and with feast uh, week coming up, more yeah, games to pick. We'll have some more marquee games. Uh, the last few days there hasn't been really worth anything putting out there. That a lot of these games are easy picks, and there's no point of giving them to you, or there's no point of you guys even betting on them, to be honest. So I guess. Next week we'll have a lot of marquee games. We'll look late. I think we got a couple of decent ones coming um, on Wednesday. I think Georgia Tech plays Tennessee, Memphis LSU. So maybe we'll get some picks in there. But um, I think that's going to do it for our, our opening uh, episode. Like we said, a little bit longer um, because we're doing previews here. But next week we'll probably be down to about an hour format. I think that's going to be the plan going forward. Um, it's been fun. Uh, we enjoyed it. We're still working some things out here, but. Uh, we're probably going to be coming at you once a week, and uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, remember, check in next week. We'll be talking preseason tournaments. We'll be talking mid-majors. We'll be talking Cinderella's. So uh, maybe some mid-major players to watch. So next week will be a very interesting episode. Maybe learn some things about guys that and, and teams that maybe aren't traditional blue bloods and aren't uh, people that ever are talking about right now. And, uh, yeah, as Gus said, yeah, we're going to kind of go through some mid-major teams to watch, players to watch. Um, and then I think it's one of the best times of the year, but uh, Feast Week, right around Thanksgiving time. Uh, tons of tournaments. Uh, like I said before, at the Maui Invitational, Battle for Atlantis, lots of other ones. Uh, chance, chance for a couple, like, Final Four preview caliber games. like Potentially Duke and Zaga in, in the Maui Invitational. Uh, like I said before, Duke and, and Auburn are going to play even before the final. So there's going to be a lot of good games. Uh, another One other thing we'll probably touch on is there's a couple games or tournaments that are going to be going on this week starting on Wednesday and Thursday. So we'll kind of talk about those on uh, the next episode uh, just to kind of recap. That's the Myrtle Beach Invitational and the Charleston Classic has some potential for some decent matchups, uh, maybe in the semifinals and championships. So we'll kind of run through those and then preview um, the other big uh, tournaments that are coming up around Thanksgiving. In the, uh, in the meantime, We'll be posting based on the matchups uh, for this week before we record our next podcast. Picks for uh, 
uh, big matchups or at least decent matchups uh, throughout the week. So that's going to be on our Twitter, which is uh, LCTD Pod. That's uh, LCTD Pod for the Last Chance to Dance podcast. Thanks uh, for listening. I'm James Turner and Gus Elvin. Yep, that's it, guys. Uh, have a good week and uh, and take care. See ya.